Welcome to Addicted to the Pot. This is Christy and Ron. And we have a guest speaker here today. Woohoo! David Thornton. Awesome. So this is going to be episode 17. Uh-huh. Where's episode what? 16? <laughs> it's coming out. We recorded Stay it tuned. in something. Stay tuned. I have a feeling this may come out before episode 16. Yes, I know, know it is. Yeah, well, I do <laughs> it's too, actually. Out today. I know. Well, we'll have to redo that one. But today we're at Beach Buns Coffee and Deli at 15849 Highway 180 West in Gulf Shores. Yep. So if y'all ever are out and about, definitely stop in and have a coffee. Or, or sandwich. A yummy or, yeah, we have cinnamon rolls or it all the goodies. Or anything. Yeah. I'm, I'm drinking um, almond milk with cinnamon in it. Oh, well. Yeah, David's drinking black coffee. And I was bad. I drank a Red Bull. <laughs> no coffee this morning? Not yet, He's going no. straight to the good I stuff. I went straight to the high octane. Yes. So guys, what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about the Gulf State Park Pier reopened and David Thornton is a guide pier and beach guide pier. I mean, guide, beach, beach guide. Sorry, beach guide. you can fishing guide. Any of those, and any of those, and, he, and, he'll, and it'll come up. He yeah. also has a good history about him. That some of the things that you do, you're a member of the Alabama Coastal Fishermen's Association. Yes, that sounds official. And also the president. <laughs> well, yeah, we, and also the president. <laughs> we, we hope it is. <laughs> They, they just told me I was in charge and hey, what needed to be done. Well, they picked a good man for it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a lot of fun. Family-oriented club, uh, promotes inshore fishing uh, year-round, and they have tournaments, uh, mm-hmm. weigh-ins, food, and then a big bash at the end of the year. Oh, that's awesome. We get together once a month at, at Moe's Barbecue in Mobile. Yeah. You know, I know Downtown. That. Mm-hmm. And uh, plenty of room for people to spread out. They've got the tables socially distanced so groups and families can sit together that's awesome uh, close friends where everybody feels safe and uh you know come by have dinner and uh, listen to some good talks about fishing that's great yeah i love to do well so that's uh that's why we really wanted to get you on the uh podcast is you know we kind of skirt around it all the time talking about fishing and uh seafood and the area. I mean, uh, you know, it's one of our biggest resources down here is the water and people come down here to enjoy it. That's right. And, uh, you know, we, we thought it'd be nice to have an, an actual expert <laughs> come yes, in here and talk about it. listening to some of the stuff I say. Yeah. <laughs> or me. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, I, so we definitely want your expertise about the Gulf State Park Pier. I know that they just opened back up and it is functioning at about three-fourths capacity or I mean yeah, a they, third of the pier is still closed right right there's um there's a 500 foot section that's damaged still beyond what they could do at this point and then another 500 foot section that's missing or rather 200 foot I, I misspoke that there's a 500 foot section that you can't access right now wow and then there's about about 200 feet of that they're they said they're going to try and repair at some point uh, in the next year or so, 
and then there's that 200 foot section that is gone. That's gone. Yeah, and uh, that was there was five piling sections that fell down, which mm. means six spans. Uh, they're about 35 feet mm -hmm. apart uh, or wow. across for mm -hmm. the spans. And the reports that we got from divers for the state that went down uh, to survey the damage, they said the pylons were just laying on the seafloor. Oh, wow. So they don't know if uh, those are recoverable or not. Yeah. A lot of that's still being discussed in Montgomery, and it's yet to be ascertained as far as, you know, the plan to put the pier back right. together. But they had just finished this multi-million dollar restoration, mm -hmm. and it was beautiful. It yeah. was beautiful. Yeah, was. they had taken this uh, this uh, Brazilian hardwood, Ipe wood, and replaced all the uh, pine wood panels that mm -hmm. were in the flooring, uh, over a thousand of them. You know, wow. And, and had replaced them all and, and custom fitted them all into location, and they were just finishing up all this work that they that had taken, uh, the pier had closed in uh, May 10th of last year, mm -hmm. and in mid-September, they were just fixing ready to open it up again, and here comes Hurricane Sally and beats mm -hmm. on it for several days with 25-foot waves, and, you know, and then there's this chunk of it missing. So then it takes them another four months to put the pier back together again, but it is gorgeous. Yes. You know, the, yes. uh, they, they changed the railings. Uh, now it's fishermen, what we like to call fisherman-friendly, mm -hmm. slanted rails where mm -hmm. you can lean over oh, uh, good. and uh, a little bit easier and look down at the water. And, and that and the railings and the, the floor panels are all made of this nice, dense Brazilian hardwood called Ipe. It's spelled mm -hmm. I-P-E. And it really is a beautiful wood, especially when it's wet, but it's uh, not slippery at all. And, oh, and well, that's, that's good. That's what's that really is. neat. I mean, it looks slick, but it's, you know, it's, it's but like... But it's not. It, but it's not, yeah. That's good. And, yeah, because uh, we don't want to have any lawsuits out there. <laughs> no, in fact, they were, they were very meticulous before they reopened because all of these repairs and such have to be uh, ADA uh, uh, compliant, mm -hmm. you know, with the Alabama, uh, American Disabilities uh, Act mm -hmm. and uh, make sure that everything's wheelchair accessible and... Uh, Right. Know, there's no trip hazards and stuff like that. And I've been is, to the pier with my son when he was younger, and we pulled a cart out there and, you know, went out there and he fished, and then we went underneath on the beach and fished, and I don't know what he caught because I was sunbathing, but it was really fun. He had a he had a good time. So he caught the fish and you caught the rays. I did. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Something Mama could do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. So when you go out there, you know, what what can you typically expect to catch out there on the pier? Well, that depends on... <laughs> what time of year it is. What time of year it is. You know, it's like, well, what's running? Right. But that's a good question and one we commonly hear that people want to know. And, yeah. And it, it varies throughout the year. Right now where the water's cold, you've got limited options. And mm -hmm. those are our resident, semitive resident fish, which are primarily... Um, the fish in the drum family, mm -hmm. the the red and black drum, you know, redfish, mm -hmm. black drum, sheephead. The uh, sheep's head are around, um, and what the locals call whiting, which mm -hmm. are Gulf kingfish, mm -hmm. actually king croakers, and uh, they're probably the most common fish caught around the pier right now, and they because they school around the pier mm -hmm. and uh, use it for refuge from 
you know, dolphins, uh, loons, yeah. sharks chase them. You know, mm-hmm. in, every, everything wants to eat a little snack-size 12-inch uh, I was going to say, and they run about 12 to 18. I don't, I've yeah. never really seen one get bigger than that. I mean, yeah, 18 to 20 inches is about tops. tops. The Alabama okay. state record for Gulf kingfish uh, and southern kingfish both is like 2 pounds, 15 ounces. Wow. And, and my biggest, my personal biggest I caught on the pier was uh, about two and a half pounds. Oh, wow. And that's a, that's a huge, yeah. you know, you get 19, 20 inches. That's a really big whiting. But these are uh, generally running smaller. Most of them are, are about 12 inches or bigger. And coincidentally, that's about the size of what a loon can swallow. Right, right. <laughs> wow. And you'll see, you'll see the loons will chase them, and and it's neat in the clear water watching these loons, you know, chase these fish around, and the way the fish react to it, mm-hmm. and and they will, uh, if they can grab one, you know, and it has to be small enough for them to swallow. Right. You know, and it it can be tricky sometimes watching them fight with it. And you catch a lot of whiting that have marks on their fins or on their back where a loon has grabbed them but it's big enough and strong enough to wiggle away and, mm-hmm. and get away and and the same with dolphins and sharks you'll see scratch marks on you know because these fish live in a tough environment mm-hmm. you know the the surf zone is uh one of our really challenging environments you think about it you know it's like it's raked by these huge waves at times periodically right uh, a lot of wind in the summertime it gets extremely hot that water can be 90 degrees mm-hmm. in the summertime. And in the wintertime, when we have these Arctic fronts come through and it's, you know, it's the, the temperature's in the 20s for, for days kind of thing, occasionally, and, and that, that water temperature can fall into the 40s even. Oh, wow. that, that can kind of stun those fish. Uh-huh. You know, all fish wow. being cold-blooded have a, have a range of what they can tolerate both on the high and low end. Can they go dormant like a crab kind of when that happens? Almost, yeah. Okay. It, okay. They, they become less active, and because their metabolism slows down being cold-blooded, they don't need to eat as often, mm-hmm. and they kind of live off their fat, essentially. Hmm. And and so they can they don't have to feed, you know, So basically, they can often. starve. That's why you don't catch them at that time. Yeah, there's, <laughs> that's a good excuse. I like to use that quite often. Yeah. But it's yeah, um, you know, days when the when the weather's not really conducive for them to feed, they they kind of, you know, kind of like us. They're content to sit on the sofa and watch TV. Uh-huh. And I guess that's their version of that. They kind of gather into these groups and they just, you know, they they don't feel like eating, but they don't want something to eat them either. So right, they, you know, their safety in numbers kind of thing. And hmm. and one of the things they do is group up around the pier because it is like an oasis. You know, it, it is a living reef, in, in a manner of speaking, in that there's barnacles growing on those and they're, pilings. Yeah, yeah, nibbling off of that. They Yeah, there's there's a, the pier creates its own ecosystem okay. because you've got lights that shine down in the water. They're right. turtle-friendly lights that uh, are designed to not be overly attractive to, to turtles that would draw them in to where they'd be preyed on by sharks or right. birds and such like that. And especially for the hatchlings, they're most concerned about. But they, uh, but these lights create, you know, the whole uh, ecosystem light. Mm-hmm. The the lights draw in the plankton. The plankton draw in the bait fish. Mm-hmm. The bait fish draw in the game fish, mm-hmm. and the game fish draw in the predator fish. Yeah, you know, right. The sharks and everything. Yeah. And that's the ones we don't want there, but. 
Yeah, that had been a big story over the past few years. Mm -hmm. uh, Since the pier opened in 2009, uh, you know, we catch a lot of mackerel during the summer. Yes. And the vast number of carcasses that were being put in the water, apparently, we're you know, them in. was sure sure holding them in. Yeah, and there were to the point to where the state even backed off their own laws and allowed shark fishing. Uh, uh, yes, you know, I, I saw think that. you could get a yeah. ticket to go down there and catch them. Or All something, you had to do was sign up. A sign yeah. up, and then yeah. you then you were picked, or yeah, you it would be first come first serve. Okay, and, and there were I mean we were. When they first opened it up a few summers ago, it was, it was like they were expecting. Oh yeah, a couple of hundred people to sign up, and it was like twelve hundred. Oh wow! Wow! Because oh. so everybody were, wants to yeah. catch a shark. And, yeah. If and I remember right, the, the opportunity yeah. to catch a you know a big predator fish yeah. like that from a, you know from any kind of a shore based um, you know scenario is is really cool. unique. Yeah, I mean that's a trophy sized fish. Yeah, and and a lot of people that were interested had never done it or. Like me, it's been a and, long time. Or and whatever. you can eat shark. Yeah, they yeah. Ha- the shark meat's really, really good. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to be careful, like any predatory fish, that uh, heavy metals like mercury will mm-hmm. accumulate. You know, it, it, what they call bioaccumulation, right. where the heavy metals are accumulated as you go further up the food mm-hmm. chain, and and something a top predator like a shark, uh, once they get certain size range, um, you know, can accumulate a good bit of of mercury when they've been tested, they're generally within the safe range, just like the large king mackerel, uh, up to a certain point. But they, uh, if you don't eat it very often, you know, it's... We uh, carry, um, over at Fresh Market Seafood, we carry um, shark meat mm-hmm. the week of shark week. Oh, okay. So that's the only week we carry it. <laughs> and we get the shark in and people love it because all the kids it's like cut it up we put it in little bitty bags and mm-hmm. and you know it's just shark nuggets is yeah. what we call them yeah. and the kids love it it just goes perfect with that week and learning all about shark mm-hmm. week and everything yeah it's a good firm meat fish it's yeah. great for grilling yeah uh, you know, it really like it really is good if you, you know fire, i've never tested to see how much mercury had is, has in it but i just assume all fish have a lot of mercury in it it depends. Yeah, I mean, it, it can that's be just me. That's just me. My <laughs> thinking. The, yeah, when that became an issue, um, you know, forty years or so ago, mm-hmm. first brought to public attention, <laughs> there was a lot of uh, research done then, and the, and the Mobile Register funded a lot of research that was publicized oh. at that point, and the diversity in the species was amazing. You know, you had some offshore fish like tilefish, and they were like, "Well, why are these fish so high in mercury?" You know. And, and then you had large fish inshore that didn't have as much mercury, you know, relative size and stuff like that. And then they, they started looking at the aspects of the bioaccumulation of the heavy metals in relation to the growth rates of the fish. Some fish have much faster growth rates than others. <laughs> um, and consequently, their longevity gives them more time to accumulate, you know, these toxins and right. stuff like that. So fortunately for us, you know, as inshore fishermen, um, you know, uh, commercial dealers, people right. like that, most of the fish that's marketable is, you know, extremely safe. Safe, you know, right. right. These are fast-growing fish that are not uh, going to have yeah. an opportunity to accumulate those kind of things. And it was like, so, you know, that was one reason I had, tried, over the years, it changed my 
approach towards fishing and intent more on panfish than trophy fish mm -hmm. was that, you know, I wanted to be sure what I was taking home to feed my family was safe. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, just like in this day and age, nobody wants to do anything crazy that's going to mm -hmm. endanger the welfare of their family. Right. So, you know, fishing being the great, you know, social distancing experiment that it is anyway, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's like it gives a good opportunity. We still got this great variety of inshore fish that are available uh, even in the wintertime when there's not much going on. You've got these drum fish like the, the whiting um, and um, the, you mentioned the sheep's head and uh, this is another delicious fish. And then uh, other fish that aren't commonly thought of as really palatable and one that gets a bad rap in our area is bluefish. <coughs> bluefish. Yeah, because it's a it is a, a intermediate predatory fish. It, it feeds primarily on small bait fish or other smaller yeah. fish, and uh, but they'll I mean they'll eat. Don't get me mistaken. They'll eat a live shrimp in a heartbeat. <laughs> wow, I've never caught a bluefish. And you know a lot of times when you're fishing and it's like you get a bite and you're oh man this is a nice one and all of a sudden boop there's nothing there and you reel it in and you don't have a hook. Odds are that was a bluefish <laughs> because they have extremely sharp teeth. If you're oh, not wow. familiar with them, you don't want to lip it like a bass because you, you'll, then you'll have to hunt up a Band-Aid to put your finger back together. Oh, no. oh wow. Because they, are, they have teeth like piranha. Oh they, my and, goodness! And Can you see them? Jaw. Yeah. Are they kind of like the sheep's head, but they're just sharper? Yeah, you roll their lip back and you can oh. see these triangular shaped teeth that fit together like a vice. Wow. And that is... Because, they don't know it's a bluefish. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're uh, you know, long and silver, uh, not like ladyfish, but they're... they're uh, Like a silver eel? No, no, they're not that streamlined. Okay. They're, they're, you know, typical fish shape. I have to Google it and put it on the yeah. our, um, Facebook page and see. That's yeah. pretty neat. I've never caught one before. But they're good eating, uh, especially fresh. This hmm. time of year... Well, a lot of people don't eat mullet, and yeah. mullet down here, for everybody down here... You know, we fish with mullet, we put them in crab traps, yep. and uh, my family eats them. They eat whole mullet, ground mullet, because yeah. there's two different kinds. Yeah, yeah, there's d several species there, and there's even a couple of different species of mullet. Mm -hmm. uh, the silver mullet typically don't get as large as the as the striped mullet yep. that uh, people catch, you know, commercially with and nets. Then and then the mullet down here, people don't know this, um, mm -hmm. a lot of our mullet roe. Mm -hmm. And they take the row out mm -hmm. and Safe Harbor Seafood ships that stuff to China yeah. and they make a lot of money on it. Yeah. Nice. A lot of money. <laughs> I, used I to mean, what? Yeah. I, I was cleaning well, it the might be Japan. Don't they? It's China or Japan. One of them like that kind of stuff. Oh, they <clears> can't <throat> say China anymore. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm like, well, they didn't send them this year. Mm. Because I call, because what I do is I get in the store, I get the split row, the yeah. split mullet. Yeah. So they split it down the middle, clean out the row. Yeah. They sell it for 10 times more than the fish is even sure. worth because yeah. they're eating those little eggs. And I get these splits for like 70 cents mm -hmm. a pound. So yeah. that's like way cheaper. And I already am selling them anyway, so I get them at a discount. Yeah. And then I can sell them to people. You know, oh, in the yeah. store for anything. We wrap them up and freeze them. Mm, yeah. It's perfect because they'll get boatloads of them. But they sell that stuff and make a good bit of money. I believe Because it. it's a delicacy mm -hmm. over there. Yeah. Huh? 
Well, so, if you hadn't had smoke mullet, then you're missing a delicacy. Yeah. Oh right my here. goodness, smoke mullet! I used yeah. to smoke that at my yeah. seafood market on ten, and wow, the little smoker. We would smoke so much of that. We would mm -hmm. sell them whole, where you could pick it out yourself, Indeed. or we would pick mm -hmm. it out, and make it into a dip. Mm -hmm. Um, it was so good. It is. But what, no one does it hardly anymore. What do you smoke it with? What wood? A little smoker. I used to get the smoker from the Bass Pro Shop. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those little smokers. Like and a, you put the little hickory things hickory? underneath it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, either the blocks or, or And I used to pour this stuff on them. That's kind of why I quit doing it because the smoke stuff that you can pour on the, the fish, the liquid smoke, yeah. liquid smoke is actually bad for you. Yeah. It has carcinogens. In oh, it. goodness. So I quit doing it and providing it because at the time, you know, yeah. the girl that me and her started it and I kept doing it didn't realize reading that it has a lot of stuff in it that's not good oh, wow. for you. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense when you think about it because it's like liquid smoke. How can it not be that charcoal y oh, yeah. stuff on yeah. it? I mean, it's. Yeah. In but, fact, there's quite a difference between hot smoking and cold smoking, yeah. which is the safest method. Mm -hmm. you yeah. Know, where you're, it's it's just the uh, the, the smoke is more purified right. that is actually cooking your fish or or uh, seasoning your fish mm -hmm. and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But it, you it want it to longer. have the, mo <laughs> the the smokiest flavor you can because that's what makes the dip. Yeah. So if I ever start it back up, I would probably just do the little chips they put underneath, and it just sends up the smoke, not yeah, actually putting it on it. Break out my mullet net. Go yeah. catch some and smoke them. Yeah. That would be awesome. <clears throat> so what, uh, you know, you're out on the pier quite a bit, or you're on the shoreline quite a bit. Yeah. Um, what's something that you see as a common mistake that people make coming down here? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> and And... One that I've often accentuated on uh -huh. because over the years, the most common mistake I've seen is people over tackling. Yeah. Literally. They over tackle, they overcast the fish that, you know, are like right close by. Right. And people have the attitude, well, I'm, you know, this is the Gulf of Mexico. You know, they're used to the lake or river to back home mm -hmm. and the right. pond and, and they don't realize, you know, or, or they, they, it's bigger body of water, bigger fish, I need bigger tackle. Uh, and that's not necessarily so. It right. gets back into that trophy fish, panfish mm -hmm. kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. And those panfish are going to outnumber the trophy fish uh, like 100 to 1 yeah. in the surf zone. The vast majority of fish in that zone within reach of the pier or um, with the exception of the very end of the pier... Uh -huh. Uh, but within certainly within reach of shore, for the most part, are going to fall into that one to three pound range to target. Yeah. And you don't need 20, 30 pound line to pull in a <laughs> one pound fish, you know, right. no matter how hard it struggles. Right. <laughs> right. So what I've, I've learned over the years, you know, I, I noticed, you know, well, I've, I've lightened my tackle up a little bit. I, it was more fun for one thing. Oh, yeah. And, and the other thing was I started getting more bites. <laughs> you know, I can feel the fish better because right. it's, you know, lighter, mm -hmm. lighter base tackle, medium light tackle, even light <laughs> tackle. And I started scaling back even more. You know, I, was, I was started fishing year round uh, back in, in the 80s and consequently noticed that, you know, the fish could be pretty finicky sometimes in that calm, clear water, cool, so their metabolism is slower. But uh, you could you could almost imagine what was going on with that light tackle. You could feel that shrimp jumping, mm -hmm. those good frisky shrimp. That oh, yeah. mm -hmm. 
from hooked up. And, uh, <laughs> they, they would jump around on the hook, and you can feel that little tap, tap, tap. Well, that's that shrimp jumping away mm -hmm. from a predator. Usually a sheephead is checking him out. And, and what he's doing, he's, he's trying to size that shrimp up because he can't, he can't swallow it whole. He doesn't want to swallow it head first where that sword is going down his gullet. Correct. He wants to fold it up and swallow it tail first. So he's got to grab it from behind or grab it and then turn it in his mouth so that he can swallow it. Mm. So you want to be able to kind of visualize what's going on down there. And it's hard to do if your line is so heavy and your hook is so big that the shrimp you know, can't even swim, he's just impaled. Right. You know, so if you, you know, if you go through the trouble of, of buying live bait, you want it to perform for mm -hmm. you and, and do right. its work. And then all you got to do is just stand there and stay warm while the, the bait is doing all the work for you on the hook. And, and if you can visualize that down there, what's happening, and feel it with your finger, and when he does grab it, you know, it's just a thump. Mm -hmm. Instead of a tap, tap, it's all of a sudden, it, and then the rod tip heavies over, when he eases away, and, and when you, you just kind of lift the rod and, and the fish struggles away, it sets the hook, and you're on yeah. from there. And, you know, one neat thing about pier fishing is even if you don't own a net, there's usually somebody nearby that does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, often, you know, you won't even have to ask. People will see you boat up, and they're like, oh, what you got? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I tell them that it hooked up when they come. They're like, do yeah. we need a pier net? And I'm like... Somebody on the pier will help you. They love to see this. And yeah. and people ask me, can I use my fishing pole from home? I'm go. like, you can use your fishing pole from home. Sometimes the line matters. Yeah. Um, the hook's going to, might matter, but some of the hooks you have are going to be okay. As long as the bait's over it, mm -hmm. some of it's going to be okay. And um, so a lot of times... You know, they'll come in thinking they're going to buy all this stuff, mm -hmm. and then they leave with, I feel like I don't have enough. And I'm like, well, but you do have enough, and I don't want to sell you live shrimp and a bucket and an aerator if you can use dead bait, mm -hmm. if you can mm -hmm. use fish bites, if mm -hmm. you can, you know, use fish gums, whatever. I'm going to try to sell them the least amount, and they're like, they'll come back, and they're like, well, everybody at the pier has live shrimp, so I want to get the bucket with the live shrimp. Mm -hmm. Okay, then I'll do that. Mm -hmm. If that's what you want, I'll do it. But mm -hmm. I would rather them go and try it first. And if and I tell them if they move it with the the movement of the water and they're just moving it a little bit, sometimes yeah. it looks alive. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. As long as it's fresh, yeah. most of the time it's going to be hitting. If everything's around there that day, it's going to be hitting. That's oh, what yeah. I tell them. Yeah. yeah, there are times when dead bait... Uh, fresh Sometimes bait. we'll outdo Even the live. live. Yeah. Yes, and it just, that's what I tell them a lot of yeah. times is go down there. Wherever you're going to go fish at, get, I'll give sell you a little bit. You go down there. You see what everybody's catching on. If you, if, if you talk to the person beside you and they're catching off of just fish bites, yeah. come back, I'll sell you just fish bites. Yeah. It's certain kinds. Sometimes they'll be catching off blood worm, mm -hmm. which is odd. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes they'll be catching off of you know, the orange color, the pink color, yeah. you know, different colors are popular. Mm -hmm. But I don't want everybody to come down and have to spend $70 to go fishing. Yes. And when they come down to Hooked Up, they always, we tell them, you know, try to tell them about the minimalist amount. Mm -hmm. And then they always come back at the end and they're like, 
I didn't have to spend all this money on tackle, so I'm buying a shirt. I'm buying something to take <laughs> back with go. me. Yeah. So I get their money. Don't get me wrong. I, I get their money, um, but I don't have to lie to get it. Yeah. I don't have to trick them into buying and everything. I, I think people appreciate that. Yeah. I the think so, too. Bowls, that's, yeah. that's why they come back there to get things. Because yeah. in the summer, yeah. I'm going to tell you, I tell people over and over again, if you get those live shrimp and you leave them out, Overnight, because you're not going fishing until the next day, mm-hmm. you've got to put a bottle of cold water in there that's oh, yeah. frozen. You've got to tr- you've got to keep them inside. Mm-hmm. Then some of them are like, "Well, can't I just buy that one and it just sticks in there?" And I'm like, yeah. "Well, how far are you going to stick it? Because about <laughs> this far in the water, about four foot is hot. Yeah. So all that water's hot. So they stick them down two mm. foot and they all die. Yeah." And then I'm like, no, you got to stick them like as far as you can have that bucket go down there. You got to put yeah. something in that bucket, make it sink, mm-hmm. and it be in that cool water. Shrimp like cool water. They, they do better. Because, they do yeah, way better. Cooler water holds the, more oxygen. Yes, yeah. and they do way better in the cooler water. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's mm-hmm. a lot, you know, when people come. I would love to sell them a $12.99 bucket with a lid and an aerator on it sure. every single time. But I feel like they're going to appreciate it better if they come oh, back yeah. to us and they're like, I didn't even need this. They were catching off dead bait. Yeah. You know, or they, I caught more off of this. So in my years, mm-hmm. I don't push the shrimp on them. I always say, are you a local? Are you a tourist? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't buy mm-hmm. a big, huge net if you're a tourist, unless you can use it back home. Yeah. If you can use it back home, by all means, buy one here. Yeah. But if you can't use some of this stuff back home, then there's no reason for you to have it. Don't yeah. come down thinking you got to buy a saltwater pole. No. Yeah, you do exactly. not have to buy a saltwater mm-hmm. pole. You can fish with your pole, bass that, your bass, yeah. all your bass Walleye, tackle. Even crappie tackles. Yeah. Uh, the only thing fishing. I always suggest to them is maybe doing a little bit heavier weight. Because the weights. At times. Yeah, because the weights make the difference on how much it's going to move. Yes. And a lot of weights not used in bass. Yeah. They just use a little round, like yeah, three eight quarter egg weights. The, or the something. terminal rigging is what's really critical yeah. sometimes. That's yeah. the part the fish is going to see first. Yeah. And and the actual line that you're catching it on, depending on the species of fish that you're fighting, um, doesn't matter near as much as what's right in front of the fish's face. You know, you don't want anything that's big and bulky that's going to turn off. I tell people they don't need steel leaders, mm-hmm. number one, unless there's a lot of bluefish around or they're targeting mackerel or sharks because right. those are the fish that have teeth. Mm-hmm. Everything else, I mean, you know, certainly sheep's head have teeth, speckled trout have teeth, right. but they're not biting teeth that are going to shred your line typically. No, and that's where if they're catching a lot of sheep head and we know it, we kind of get the hook needs to be stronger. Yeah. Because when they bite, they bite the hook sometimes, and that's where it won't bend. Yeah, where they'll crunch up a, that little mm-hmm. treble hook, that little soft It needs soft to be a hook. thicker hook. That's yeah. what I always recommend for, for them. Really, yeah. really, Some of the live bait type hooks that are uh, a little uh, thicker steel. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the small, uh, the, the kale hooks. You know, that's another way to approach it, too, is to keep the hook size small. Mm-hmm. So that it will kind of rotate around in the mouth, especially a bony fish mouth like a sheep's head mm-hmm. that has not just the teeth in the front, but he's got these crushers in the back of his mouth that they use to crunch up barnacles and other crustaceans that they eat. And they will 
there, there's little bits of flesh between that where that little hook point can catch and, and grab hold. And also they have these big, thick, rubbery lips, and you can grab onto that. Right. And, uh, you know, and you can, you can fight the fish on, on that light line, light tackle, mm -hmm. uh, small hook, and not worry. You know, people are always concerned about, well, he's going to bend my hook, you know, or something like that. And they're amazed that, you know, I might catch... You, you could know, catch a 30-pound fish yeah. on a 10-pound line. And, and, and a number eight single hook. Yes. You know? yeah. Because yeah. It, as long as you're not putting 20 pounds of pressure on him, you know, trying to lift him up over the rail, mm -hmm. you know, and that's where that net comes in handy. That's where the that net kind of comes thing. in. Yeah. And, and I've been able to step down, you know, getting back to, like, my increase that I had seen in the numbers of bites that I was getting. I stepped down from, like, 10-pound tackle to 8-pound, 6-pound, went to 4-pound, and it was like the numbers of fish that I was hooking was incredible. Yeah, I was losing a few, but I was hooking, you know, if, so, so maybe you lose three or four fish, but you're hooking mm -hmm. three or four times as many. It's like, wow, you know, I saw my success rate skyrocket, right. you know, over these years of experimentation. And, wow. Uh, it, it was, you know, so it, it was a lot of fun learning that, too. And one of the neat things that people don't often realize when they're shore fishing, when they're fishing off the beach down here, there's no obstruction for them to break off. So it's just a matter of patience and line capacity mm -hmm. and their, uh, you know, drag setting. They don't, they're not overpowering the fish. And to me, that's the most fun. I hook the fish. That's one aspect of it. But I want to, I want to feel and, yeah. you know, and wearing down yeah. and, you know. That that's way, why people like to bass fish. Yeah. You can feel that. Like, the, it's so amazing. But, but typically they're fishing in, in heavy, near heavy structure, mm -hmm. which bass orient to or hide mm -hmm. actually in. And they're concerned about pulling it away from well, it. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's a different approach to fishing than mm -hmm. when you've got this wide open space. And you can let, you know, the fish run back and forth. Which to me is the fun part. I love them peeling drag. See, off. I oh, love yeah. bass fishing. I love that little thing, that little glug, 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 glug. And then you don't hear it no more. And it's like, I got a fish. <laughs> I really need it. Oh Absolutely. my goodness. I got a fish. I'm just like, no, it, it takes nothing from me. It's like the perfect thing. Just toss and you just keep it coming back in the whole time. Yeah, that's lure fishing in general. That's just yeah. so easy. Yeah. Not on the beach. I feel like I got to like go forwards, backwards kind of mm -hmm. yeah. just kind of do like to make it wiggle more. Mm -hmm. But on like them, it's like you want to keep it going across the top well, hearing that noise. Yeah. And then when you don't hear that noise, you know you got something or it got caught in the weeds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that year round we have different kind of aspects of fishing that, mm -hmm. that should suit anybody's mm -hmm. needs mm -hmm. their you know their desire about what size fish they want to catch the type of fish pretty much is you know dependent on the water temperature mm -hmm. and if you and one thing to know it is a rule here in gulf shores that if you fish off the beach you have to be i think it's 15 feet from a swimmer you cannot you cannot fish by the swimmers so you can't fish for swim. I mean, buy swimmers. Huh? You can't buy. You can't. You can't lure them in as the bait. Oh, okay. So, I, I know that the, the city of Gulf Shores has that rule. When you, did they implement that? It's been implemented. Well, that's how I got my last girlfriend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> using her as bait. 
Well, it's just so, I guess, so the swimmers that are out there, and if you're fishing, it's it's drawing fish in, and they don't want to draw in the little fish that brings in the but No, yeah, it makes complete fish. sense. Yeah. For the same reason, they but don't it's want 15. people cleaning fish on the beach, beach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. throwing carcasses in the water yeah. and stuff like so that. So definitely, if you're down here, don't do that. No. <laughs> but, um... So I want to go back to if I if you want to get up and go to the state pier while you're here and go fishing, yeah. definitely get up, um, go down there. Right now they do not charge anything to park, but that may change right. later on. This is um, February of 2021, so as of right now they do not have paid parking, but the um, parking kiosks are there. The parking kiosks are there, so maybe it's just going to be eventually when it starts my understanding is they're trying to work out the pricing okay um in montgomery right now to accommodate the uh the pier fishermen the whole idea at the pier to charge parking was that so many people were using it for free beach access oh yeah Mm -hmm. and then they were swimming within 100 yards of the pier so that just increases you know it's it's more problems for the park personnel to maintain so you know, they, they realized that this is something they needed to address. Mm-hmm. And they when they were doing the refurbishment, that was, you know, and, and plus they had an influx of some of this uh, this care money. The state did, and it was like they had to use it by a certain date. Mm-hmm. And it was like this was on their to-do list. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, well, let's put the parking kiosk in. And that was why practically overnight they popped up at the pier and they popped up at Cotton Bayou and Romar Beach and Alabama Point East, you know, yeah. that there, there were places that traditionally had been, you know, unpaid access. And uh, the, but the pavilion, which is a beautiful facility and a huge parking lot, has been paid apart for a couple of years now. Right. And, uh, you know, the state was really accommodating to the fishermen uh, last year, they started opening the gate a little earlier mm-hmm. so that the fishermen could get there and, and access the the beach, you know, at daybreak, which in the in the spring, late spring and through the summer mm-hmm. is prime time to fish. Right. And uh, you know, then they could come back and pay and, and uh, not get a ticket or anything. So it was, you know, it is it, a neat setup. The, mm-hmm. And people have a misconception that you know all this money's going to Montgomery or something like that, but it stays. In, in, the, in the community. In the, in, you know, a lot of it goes into the community to take care of these very facilities that we're utilizing. Yeah, and, and uh, the park know, here, want, the park. Um, absolutely. Um, they're redoing the, what is it, the state park where you can walk the walkways. The trails. Or, the, the trails, Which yes. needed a ton of work mm-hmm. after Money the goes hurricane. into those. Yeah, you know, they had to have just a <clears> huge <throat> influx of money. And it was a big drain on the park system. You know, people mm-hmm. don't realize since 2017, the Alabama Department of Conservation has been a standalone system financially. They they take care of their own. Mm. And there are 20-something state parks throughout the state. And, wow. and only a handful of them make money. So those parks... Kind of help with the other parks. Yeah, they spread some of that mm-hmm. around, but most of it stays at home. Mm-hmm. So most of this money that's generated in the Gulf State Park goes to help the Gulf State Park. Yeah, sure, it goes to help some of the other smaller right, parks. Right. Mayor Park on the Causeway is one example. And, uh, you know, that's going to be right there close to where you're opening a new shop, I understand. Right, so right. that's, uh, you know, that'll be great because a lot of fishermen utilize that pier there at Mayor Park mm-hmm. and they, they like to go over to the fish on the river bank and uh, what we call the shell bank there. 
Hmm. And uh, so that, that little pocket park is, is a neat place, just like the Gulf State Park, which has not only the main park that we think about where the campground is and the pier is, but also these, these smaller parcels like Romar Access and Cotton Beach Access, Alabama Point East, that are, uh, you know, give the public a chance to spread out, mm-hmm. you know, just like they do in Gulf Shores. And, and that's another reason that the parking fees haven't been worked out yet. Um, you know, locals in Orange Beach and Gulf Shores are very concerned about having to, you know, shell out 5 or $10 every time they go to park. You know, do they want to go to the public access at the beach? They may live back on the canal or somewhere. Right. And so they're, they're in negotiation also with the municipal entities to work something out. I didn't think we were required to pay. <laughs> that's, you know, well, that's one of the things that's being bandied about. You know, well, will my hurricane pass act as a parking, parking pass? I always thought you know, it did. Well, at whatever's been in use at the pavilion, you know, in it's all likelihood, gonna it's going to be something about oh. like that. Well, I mean, the hangout and the one day just down from the hangout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always just assumed and I didn't have local to pay. Only. Yeah. And they're, they're building one like that in Orange Beach as well, where 181, I mean, uh, uh, 161 comes in. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then, um, you know, and then, but, but the way that's going to be handled, uh, you know, in, in, is to be determined. Yeah. Oh, wow. It, it, okay. It, it is in discussion in Montgomery, you know, right. yeah. as far as what they're going to work out, you know, especially with Orange Beach, which provides the police, you know, protection and the lifeguards and, yeah. you know, uh, emergency response, mm-hmm. you know, and then that kind of spills over into Gulf Shores, you know, mm-hmm. if you, if you have, you know, an incident in, in you know, at the pavilion or at the pier or something like that, it's, you know, it's usually yeah. the EMTs from, you know, Gulf Shores that respond to that. Mm-hmm. And, and so they, you know, fortunately the park as an entity has a good working relationship with these municipal entities. Yeah. And I'm sure they want to continue that. So they don't, mm-hmm. they don't want to ostracize their, uh, you know, their nearby residents or anything like that. Well, but at the same time, I think it's, it's a situation where we all need to kind of step up and realize that in order to keep the quality of uh, these public f- facilities that we're used to, yeah. that we, you know, we all ought to chip in our parts, yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah. And, <clears throat> but the idea that, that these parking fees are going to be discounted for frequent users is, is, you know, just some semantics to be worked out as far as, far as I'm concerned, because fishermen have always seen that in the past. You know, the daily pass of the, for the state pier is $9 a day. Well, okay. you know, I mean, okay. and But you get up to the window to pay, and they're like, oh, are you, are you a veteran? You know, yeah. Okay, because I give discounts to veterans. Right. <clears throat> you know, children under 12 fish free, but they're paying adult. You know, right. things like that. Right. So there's a lot of different aspects where you can save money. You can buy a week pass. If you're staying, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, if you're renting a house, yeah, the kiosk has different things no. in it, and and there'll be so there'll I've be used, different aspects. And you and and that's a good question of if you buy it at one kiosk, will it work at all of them? That's one of the things that. I'm, so that I yeah. would like to know that too, because if you're staying a week, mm-hmm. you know, will it work at the hangout? Will it work here? Will it work there? Yeah. So that would be a good thing. I mean, I feel like you could get up and go take your kids fishing at the pier and spend twenty five dollars. Get some things yeah. and get out there and fish, you know, for the day. And uh, 
you know, it would be fun for if you're coming down here because that's what Gulf Shores is known for is fishing and mm -hmm. the different things in the area. But um, if they want to go fishing with you, how do they get in touch with you? Well, the easiest way would be to uh, just look me up on my, my Facebook page, which is connected through uh, my, my website at www.peerpounder.com. Okay. That's P-I-E-R-P-O-U-N-D-E-R. Perfect. And that, that links directly to my uh, Facebook page, and it's got my contact information, my phone number is 251-458-2775. Awesome. awesome. And they can get in touch with you and go, and what do they, mm -hmm. do they need to bring anything, or you're going to supply everything? I can. You know, okay. and getting back to what you were saying about what people need, and to get a better idea sometimes, and, and often I'll talk to these people two or three times before they come down. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll contact me. I've been doing this since 2012. And I, I noticed real quickly, you know, people were real anxious coming down here. They had a million questions. Yes. I wrote up some documentation that would help them orient. Okay. Even gave them a little uh, checklist of things that they might not have thought of. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, polarized sunglasses, yep. wide-brim hats, sunscreen. Mm -hmm. Even during the wintertime, sunscreen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can get pretty... The days are getting longer, the sun's getting stronger, and it's it's on a bright, sunny day, even in the summertime, you can right. get a sunburn. I yeah. agree with that. And, uh, you know, different aspects of, of what to expect, different tackle recommendations that would fall right in line with our what we were okay. discussing a little bit ago. And um, just to help fishermen tailor it down a little bit. They don't need to bring everything in their repertoire, but they can certainly bring those lighter kind of tackle rigs especially spinning rigs that are more uh, adaptable mm -hmm. to the saltwater environment. Right. And one of the things I teach them is how to take care of that when they're here. Okay. The main thing is just, you know, the commonsensical things. You don't want to dunk, you know, your favorite fishing rod and reel in, in the in the sun. Salt, right, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. You know, you don't want to drag it through the surf. You don't want to lay it down in the sand. <coughs> if it does, it's not the end of the world. It's not like it's going to crumble into mm -hmm. dust before you get back home or anything like that. <clears throat> uh, you know, just like any kind do of thing Do they need to have a water. license, or do you provide yeah. that? No, or I'm, I'm not. You know, it's not like a charter boat right. where, where they're covered. They'll so have they'll, to take care of their own On license. the pier, that's covered, right? No, if it's you not. Buy, you still have to have a fishing yes, license yes. even to go to the pier. It's two separate things. You're paying for your daily pass that we discussed a little uh -huh. bit. And then they, they want to be sure that they have their uh, fishing license. You know, if you're an Alabama resident, you want to look at the, at the residency fishing uh, things. If you're only going to fish from the Gulf State Park Pier, you're here for a week or a month or whatever, you can get by with what they call a pier license. Right. And it's only about 12 bucks for Alabama residents. I think it's about 15 or so for non-residents. Mm -hmm. uh, and But all of those... Uh, are available through OutdoorAlabama.com. That's yes. your go-to if you're, go -to. you know, if you're wanting to find out more about the pier. There is a link there. You can either look at Alapark, mm -hmm. and and yeah. that is a uh, tag. I have that one on my phone. Yeah, that's a tag under the, uh, and you can look at at the Gulf State Park underneath the, uh, under that, and then also do the Fish Finder app. Yeah. It's probably got I love the Fish Finder app because no matter where you go fishing, anywhere in the United States, it has a GPS coordinates on you. Yeah. And it tells you what fish are in season, what the size, the limit, and everything. It is so neat. So yeah. you just punch in your 
So let's do, why is that not coming up? So the species, let's do black drum. I wonder if it'll come up and tell me. I'll just, Alabama State Water's right here is where it's giving me my location. Yeah. Yeah. And then so it's going to tell me the different ones. So black drum. And it says it's open season right now. Yeah. It's it is the best app I've found out there. I love the Alabama mm -hmm. outdoor sure. app because it tells you what for Alabama's rules are. Yeah. But this is so amazing. It adjusts it, let, it for yeah. So I mean, if you go over to Purdue. Well, because Key, a lot of people yeah. go into Florida yeah. and start fishing and yeah. then it'll give you it's only by clip yeah. coordinates. Yeah. So, so everywhere you fish in the state of Alabama, that one will tell you the difference. Yeah, black things. drum is regulated in Florida, and it's not in Alabama. So yeah. that's that's a good example. Bonita, Atlantic Bonita is open season right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you can go look at any fish. And then the good thing is it it has a picture of the fish. Yeah. Yeah. And that'll and help it, you with it. And it tells you the limit, the size. I mean, Whether it's it is, open or closed season. Yeah. Or, you know, it's really... Mm -hmm. um, and it'll tell you a little bit about stuff and where to go. I mean, it's. Yeah. I love this app. Somebody put me onto this app, and I actually, <laughs> I actually put it in the store a picture of that and how to go on there oh, and cool. do it. Yeah. Because it hooked up. I'm like, that's you want that because then you yeah. can look and you can look because people come in all the time. I caught this fish, and it looks like this and this, and I'm like have to get out a book and show them and be like is it one of these fish and they're like i'm like on this fish rules app yeah you can go on there and it'll show you pictures of them so you just kind of hit them and see or mm -hmm. you know google what's in our area that's one of my favorite games on the interactive uh you know internet mm -hmm. forums and web pages and stuff like that what is this yeah people will hold up <laughs> pictures and it's like what is this you know and then you got to guess what it is and, and you'll know because i'm not good at it you, you hope that it's you know that it, it's not all bloody and slimy right. and laying in the bottom of the cooler <laughs> if it's closed season you know mm -hmm. but uh <clears throat> that's the kind of throwback back over <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's yes. you know yeah the game warden is on his way uh, <laughs> but yeah you definitely want to be uh have an idea of at least what the general fish that you're targeting and what yes. you're going to encounter. And that's another thing I try to do with my clients is, is help them get an idea. And I had even charted that uh, through the year, uh, showing the degrees of availability of, of about 20 different species that mm -hmm. uh, fishermen are commonly either encounter uh, or are concerned about keeping either for bait or for eating you know, right. anything like that. And then I also chart in there the uh, size of the fish that they can expect to encounter and the, the types of tackle that they can be caught on with the, the descriptions of those tackle as well. And and it, it really, you know, that way it's kind of a refresher course, you know. And, yeah. and yes. my, my service is geared towards uh, newcomers. It's geared towards uh, first-timers, uh, people that are not used to the saltwater environment or or limited, you know, well, we've been out on a charter boat, but we're going to be staying at a house in Fort Morgan for a week. Mm -hmm. What can we catch right in front of the house? Yeah. You know, the kids want to put a line out. And, you know, what what can we catch? What can mm -hmm. we eat? That right. kind of thing. And that's, that's the second question. People always. go, can you eat it? Okay, all right. Yeah. That's always. Yeah. It's like, well, you well, put you all this it. money in it. You want to eat it. <laughs> Quite commonly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. some people are just interested in catch and release, and that's yeah. fine, too, because that, re that protects the resource. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I'll teach them good uh, techniques for catch and release. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're, 
I've seen pe- plenty of fish thrown back on the pier that it's like uh, you're just feeding the dolphins, you know, <laughs> right? Then and or, or the sharks, you know. But other other there, so there are different ways that you can release fish safely for the you know for the concern of the fish right. and the welfare of the fish to make sure that they're going to be around to you know carry on the, the tradition and and that more of these people will have opportunities like we have. Do you do um, YouTube? I've done yeah. a few YouTube okay. videos. I'm, do I, you, my intent, you do them or, do, or you've been no, in a few? I've been in a few. Okay, in a I've, few. Yeah, and I've, I've also... Because uh, it would be kind of neat to, you know, like, you know, have a YouTube video that, you know... Where I go through mm-hmm. some of this. Where you yeah. go through some of that. Yeah. Like and, as and that's a, my intention, too, to get into that more this year. I, to get I, in that. I finally retired my regular job. <laughs> And uh, so I get to enjoy more of this fishing. That's awesome. That's so good. And, you know, the guiding is is a part-time thing. It has been back in 2012 when I started it. It was, uh, you know, a bit more involved. (coughs) But living in Mobile makes it kind of difficult for me. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Okay. But it was... uh, uh, just a you know great way to meet folks from all over. I was really surprised at the at the reach that it had. You know, as far as the guide service. The first summer I started doing this, the uh, I, I fished with people from 22 different states in three months. You know, I mean it was just it's a it's a the the number of people that come to this area is just it's vast. Huge, yeah. yeah, and you know, I, and I know I only scratched the the very you know edge of it. Right. And, and, and and through the following years, it's been you know it's been like that. But I've, I've really enjoyed that aspect. It's it's just like the pier fishing community. It's not just made up of the locals that fish there on a regular basis. Right. It's not made up of just day trippers like me that you know I can get away a day or two a, a week and come over from Mobile. You know, and then there's people from upstate that come down. You know, people that have condos that yeah. come down and they're fishing every time they come down. They got a place here because they love the beach, love the area, love condo, the fishing. Yeah. And then people that are just, you know, wanting to come to the area and they hear all about it and what you know want to go fishing. Yeah, especially for the first time. I think time. you definitely educate them on everything they need to know and help them the best way you can. Yeah catch a fish and I bet you could say that you normally catch fish pretty normally (laughs) maybe one time you went and didn't catch a fish (laughs) yeah we got some good stories about that I can bore you with no uh, yeah my my wife got got a kick out of we walked out on the pier some years ago in in February and it was one of those first sunny days mm-hmm. where it kind of we're really warming up. You know, we're starting to see, you know, first fall spring kind yeah. of thing. And the water was warming up a little bit. And uh, they were like, you know, and, and I'm, I'm talking to the fishermen that are sitting around the picnic table on the end. And they're, you know, they're shooting the bull and trading stories and uh, settling all the world's problems. And, and they're like, I'm not catch anything and, and I was like you guys do anything no nah, nah, nothing but we know something's going to happen now you know, and I, you know just kind of messing with me and uh, so I walk over to the rail I start casting a jig a couple of times and all of a sudden boop pull it up and it's a Spanish mackerel you know and it's like and here it is like the second week in February and, and you know it was a fish that wasn't supposed to be there for another month right. and uh, but it was a little bit warmer than average and 
And they start coming in and, if and that happens. Caught, caught a couple of Spanish mackerel and, you know, they're like, you know, well, don't tell anybody. You know, we don't want it to be on the internet. You know, we don't want it to be on the news, you know. And, uh, but that, that shows you the reach of, uh, you know, like, like podcasts and, and any right. other kind of social media. How, social how media word spreads. is huge. You know, you, huge. you tell a friend, the friend tells five friends, and five, those five tell somebody. You know? Yeah, next thing you know, there's 40 people there. Yeah, and there's, you know, there's 100 people on the pier. Right. One thing I did want to mention, they, they do have a limited okay. access to the pier because oh, of wow. social distancing Oh, how uh, many rules. are they doing now? They're, they're allowing 200 on the pier maximum. And that, that is the way they count it is there are 125 anglers because they know the anglers are going to stay a pretty good while. Mm-hmm. And then they reserve about 75 for walk-ons. Because the those are people, yeah, yeah. And they, they're usually there for about a half an hour, you know, to walk yeah. out there an hour at tops. You How know. much does that cost? Is it like 4 or $5? $3. $3. $3. Yeah, I think you can on. do a full day walk-on for like 5 mm-hmm. So you could yeah. like Leave, come, on, come back, and come back, whatever. Yeah. And they, they'll give you a you know, a, a pass or wristband or something. And you can purchase your um, fishing, um, what's it called? Your, pass. Your fishing pass. Yeah, uh, pure pass. Pier. Well, <laughs> but you can do your, they have it set up there where you can buy your Oh, you can fishing, buy your license Your online. license, license, sorry. Yeah, getting back to that. Um, and that's probably the best way to purchase your yes. fishing license is to get on Outdoor Alabama. Mm-hmm. And there's a phone number you can call as well. And do it on your phone, yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can call and It's a quick process. I like to do it at home on my PC and then print it out. Yeah. And then I'll I'll take the license and, and put, uh, you know, packing tape over it and kind of do a cheap laminating <laughs> job. And, yeah. And put it, anytime I've been checked, you know, they pull it out and they go like, what's this on here, you know? And I'm like, well, it's just packing tape and, and they're like, hmm, well, okay, I guess yeah, that works. Yeah. You know? As I've long actually, as they can read it, that's all mm-hmm. they care about. I actually tell people when they're hooked up, go call this number or go to the Alabama. You can sit and do it on your phone right when you get there. Mm-hmm. Drive into the spot. Go ahead and pull it up. They're going to email it to you. Yeah. And then you can just take a picture of it off your phone, and they just want to see the numbers, basically. Yeah. And so you can do it, like, right then that day when mm-hmm. you're going. Because some people... I know, um, you know, they think they're going, they get the thing, and then they never get to go. So they, you know, don't do anything with the license. Also, I think 65 and above, no matter what state you're in. Right, it's exempt. It's 65 and above. Yeah. Can have no license. And then if they're taking their grandchildren who are 15, it's 16 and below, so it'd be 15 years old and below, can also not have a license. Right, they're not required. So they're not required in the state of Alabama. So a grandfather can come down and take the grandchildren and go. But now if... Don't you have to have an Alabama driver's license? Isn't that for residents only? 65 and up? Oh, I didn't think... No, out of state. It's out of state, everything. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then... What um, what they do recommend, though, is that uh, people over 65 do register. mm -hmm. uh, And what that does is it helps our fishing community... Uh, because those, the number of anglers that's counted, the number of recreational anglers that's counted uh, for each state, just like our representation in Washington, it the number of anglers we have says how much of our of a portion of those federal tax dollars 
we get get back. You know, when people okay. buy a tackle in your store, mm -hmm. um, that has you know a local and federal tax. Mm -hmm. Well, some of that federal tax comes back to Alabama based on the number of anglers that Alabama has. Some of that money is returned back to the state to uh -huh. do things like, uh, you know, help with law enforcement, uh, help to pay for, um, you know, boat ramps and mm -hmm. artificial reefs and things like that. It goes into helping those kind of things. And uh, so it's oh, not entirely dependent upon the state. Mm -hmm. Some of those tax dollars come back. Just the same way that, like, uh, federal tax on gasoline would come back to help for road production and you know mm -hmm. road maintenance and stuff like that. So yeah. So it's, if it's you take your kids fishing, just say me, I come down and I wanted to take my kids fishing, but I didn't want to get a license because I'm never going to use that license. And my kids are ten and twelve, <coughs> and they don't have to have a license. Yeah. So if but say we took three poles because we're scared one pole might break. <laughs> the law is two poles, right? They has to be two poles, and only the kids can touch them. I would, I would to stay safe. Yeah, yeah, that's the way I would do it. Is okay. Just, you know, be okay. sure you've got a book in your hand, and and you know. Yeah. And it's uh, the neat thing about enforcement is that out in the field, you know, those people are are trying to do right. Their job is to protect the resource. Right. And they're not looking to bust anybody's chops. Right. That they're just there to their primary thing is to you know protect the resource, protect the public that's utilizing the resource. And and they want to, you know, they can tell pretty quick. They're pretty yeah, good they judges can tell of character. If you're, yeah. And these are people that, you know, this is their work. And right. they, they definitely have a calling. It, it takes a special person right. to do law enforcement of any kind, and especially things like uh, game and fishing enforcement. And and we're blessed. The, the um, Alabama Marine Resources Division and the State Park Division has their own rangers, mm -hmm. and they have far-reaching powers yeah. that uh, often exceed your municipal, you know, police. Yeah. Uh, as far as what they can do, you know, and uh, you know, if the man wants to look in your box and you got nothing to hide, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, and I've, you know, always tried to accommodate. And they them. will. They're look, great guys. They will look in your box because on on our boats, they even board our boats and look sure. on our boats. Yeah. Just you to know. make sure, and we. You know, when we're shrimping, and we have shrimp boats for the seafood market, um, they'll board, and you cannot, like, if you catch a fish in the thing, in the net, and you want to cook it for dinner that night, mm -hmm. you have to leave the skin on it. Because if the skin's not on, they can't tell what fish it is. Uh -huh. And they think you are have all this, you know, some fish to cook for that night. You can't have but so much. Yeah. Like, it's a lot, because they're going to think that you're, catching fish that's not in season. Sure. And so to kind of piece this all together, uh, it's not a bad idea to have a guide with you yeah. <laughs> if you're coming yeah. down here. Definitely. That well, because you like to know a lot of things that are going on and what's, you know, what you have and how to do it. So you're definitely going to have to get in touch with David. Yep. And one more time, your website? Peerpounder.com. Peerpounder.com. Go to peerpounder.com yes. uh, and list David's help. Uh, make sure... You come down here, he'll he'll get you set up and come see Christy for your bait and tackle needs and then come get a coffee at the deli. That's oh, for yeah. sure. Absolutely. Well All uh, right guys. Well, we're gonna support your, your local, local caffeine, caffeine dealer. dealer. Have a good one. Thank you. <laughs>